0: And it's a it's a wonderful thing. Would you go to Proverbs, please, uh, the thirty-first chapter? Thank y'all. You can be seated. Proverbs chapter uh, thirty-one. We've been talking about faithfulness in our morning sessions, Sunday mornings, and um, we're honoring and thanking God for mothers and motherhood today, but in in connection with this we can see faithfulness revealed through godly mothers. And I want us to, to notice it and to think about it some this morning. Proverbs, the last chapter, Proverbs 31, down in about verse 10. 31 and 10 says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Read that verse out loud, please. Verse 12. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works willingly with her hands. She's like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is yet night and gives meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. And the fruit, with the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good. Her candle goes not out by night. She lays her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes fine linen and sells it and delivers girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looks well to the ways of her household and eats not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but you excel them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Well, this is a godly woman. This is a a godly wife and mother... And how many would say this is a faithful woman, a faithful mother, a faithful wife? And so in talking about motherhood and talking about honoring and thanking God for this, we see also what he's been teaching us about in previous weeks, faithfulness uh, manifested in the virtuous woman, the godly woman. Go back to verse 11 again. Let's look at that. Verse 11 says, The heart of her husband does safely trust in her. Let me read another translation of that. The uh, the Message Bible says, Her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. Never spiteful, she treats him generously all her life long. The... Uh, New Century, the NCV says, her husband trusts her completely. With her, he has everything he needs. Now we see verse 12, why he trusts her completely. She does him good and not harm for as long as she lives. Who can you trust completely? Will it be people that you know are not going to hurt you, right? They're only going to do you good. The, uh, The Amplified says it like this in verse 12. She comforts, encourages, and does him only good as long as there is life within her. This is a description of faithfulness. And how many think not only the godly, virtuous woman the godly mother and wife. But how many think a good man ought to do his wife good and not hurt her all the days of his life? How many think that good parents ought to do their children good and not evil all their days? How many think children and grandchildren ought to do their parents and grandparents only good and not evil? Well, here we've looked at... uh, Qualities of faithfulness. What makes a person faithful? And here's one we're looking at today. A faithful person won't hurt you. A faithful person will only do you good. Go to Romans, please, in the 13th chapter. Romans chapter 13. And we'll look down about verse 10. Romans 13.10 says, Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. If you would put the Amplified up there for us, please. Love does no wrong to one's neighbor. It never hurts anybody. It never hurts anybody. We've we've seen the virtuous woman does her husband good and won't hurt him all the days of her life. Because of that, he, he can completely trust her. And how many understand God is love? And love is faithful. We know God is faithful. God is love. Could you say love is faithful? Could you say love won't hurt you? Love will only do you good. You know, First Corinthians 13 that goes through the different characteristics and describes love, ta- among other things, it talks about how that love, uh, verse 5 in the Jewish Bible, complete Jewish, First Corinthians 13, 5, love is not proud, it's not rude, it's not selfish, it's not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrong. How many believe the love of God does not get involved in payback or get you back? Now, see, that's what people call human love can turn to hatred overnight. Hmm? Some of the people that were supposed to have loved each other the most wound up being the meanest to each other. And the most cruel to each other. Well, that's not the love of God. The love of God would never do that. But human love, you know, and you can hear people, uh, it's not the love of God, it's what people call love. They say, I love you, I need you. Well, that's not loving them. When you say, I love you, I need you, that's not you loving them. That's you loving what they do for you. So it's still you loving you. And that's why when people no longer are blessing me and no longer making me feel like you once did, well, then I don't love you anymore. And human love, like we said, can turn to hatred overnight. And if you hurt me, what does the flesh say? I'll hurt you. You slap me, I'll slap you. Harder. You knock me down, I'll knock you down and run over you. <laughs> Isn't that the way flesh is? I mean, it, in the flesh, and I don't care who you are now, don't, don't try to say it's not that way. Uh, if somebody hurts you, your flesh wants to retaliate, doesn't it? And then add some. <laughs> Give you something to remember. <laughs> you mess with me. And so people are. The people even teach their children and they ought not to. You need to teach, teach their children. You can't be a doormat. You can't let them get away with that. And what are they talking to? What's the solution? What are they getting to? Hurt them back. Hurt them. They hit you, you hit them. They knock you down, you knock them down. Well... What did Jesus say? Somebody slaps you on one side, slap them back harder. (laughs) No, (laughs) no. Is that always easy to do? No, but can you do it by the grace of God? Would the strength of God in you be enough? to enable you to be strong enough. Now, anybody can get mad and retaliate. I mean, Joe Sinner down the street that don't know the Lord at all does that. But it takes a lot of strength. When your flesh is screaming, I'll get you, I'll get you. I'm writing it down right now. I'll never forget it. And I may not get you today, but I'm a-laying for you. And one of these days, your chickens is coming to roost. One of these days, I'll be watching you. No, the Bible tells us to give place to wrath. The Lord said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Now, something that we need to see, go with me, please, to 1 Samuel chapter 24. 1 Samuel chapter 24. You know, when I was looking at this, I was reminded of the Hippocratic oath that physicians take, and uh, it goes back to Hippocrates, called the father of medicine, and the Greek oath. It's not always practiced today, and different forms of it are observed, but one of the things that's most well known about it is the oath to do no harm. Let me read to you a couple of excerpts from it, the original Greek one into English. This is the physician at the end of their training. This was many, many, many years ago and repeated in different forms even to this present day. The doctor says, I will prescribe regimens for the good of my patients according to my ability and my judgment and never do harm to anyone. Another part of it says, to please no one will I prescribe a deadly drug or give advice which may cause his death. Another part of it says, I will not give a woman, a certain word that we wouldn't understand today, but a device to procure abortion. I think a lot of people didn't know that was a part of the original oath that physicians took, never to be a part of an abortion. But I will preserve the purity of my life and my arts. In every house where I come I will enter only for the good of my patience and will keep myself far from all intentional ill-doing. Another part of it said uh, all that may come to my knowledge in the exercise of my profession uh, which ought not to be spread abroad I will keep secret and will never reveal. How many understand confidentiality is a part of not hurting people. Things that you may become privy to that if told to others could hurt them in in their eyes or damage them some way or cause people to think less of them. Love wouldn't repeat it. Love wouldn't tell it. I said love wouldn't tell it. In fact, let me read to you. You're holding your place there in Samuel. But the, uh, the Scripture talks about that. That in Proverbs eleven 13, Don't turn there. I'm just reading it to you. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, A talebearer reveals secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. The Revised Standard Version says, He that's trustworthy in spirit Keeps a thing hidden. I think this is one of the most common areas where Christians fail in keeping the love command is that they tell things about each other to other people that they should not tell. How many understand for a, a, a husband to tell other men or other women? about his wife's mistakes and shortcomings is being unfaithful, right? It is. How, how about a wife telling her female friends or, or her co-workers at the office the shortcomings and failures and mistakes of her husband? Is that okay? No. It's a betrayal of confidence. It is unfaithfulness. And it's true with all of us, whether it's me with you, you with me, people in church together, people working together, in families together, it is not okay to betray, betray confidence and, and tell things that ought not be told. Why? Because it is hurting them in the eyes of these people you're talking to. It's making them think less of them, isn't it? And yet people, Christians I'm talking about now, they go, well, I just need somebody to vent on. I need somebody, you know, it's, things are so bad. I need somebody to talk to. Well, you can talk without making them look bad. I only had a few few amens. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is unfaithfulness. See, we're talking about being faithful, aren't we? It's unfaithful to disclose things that ought to be confidential and to make your friends and your family and coworkers look bad and the people think less of them, you, you hurt them. I know uh, in, in my few years of ministry, the times I, I got the most seriously in trouble with the Lord is when I said something that hurt somebody in somebody else's eyes. Thank God it hadn't happened too much. But, uh, you know, the further I go, I was talking to Phyllis about this just this week, the more I see how there is nothing more important than us loving each other. People talk about all kind of things in connection with church and ministry, but I'm telling you, the more you get to know the Lord, you'll find out there's nothing more important to Him than this, how we treat each other. Is absolutely number one, most important. Uh, I had to learn. I made a few mistakes in the earlier days of my ministry. As the Lord began to use me, as more people began to know me, as my words carried more weight, people would ask me, "Well, what do you think about brother so and so, or what do you think about what he's preaching, or what they're doing over there?" And and sometimes uh, I know on one particular occasion. Uh, I just said, well, you know, I didn't say too much about it, but I implied that something wasn't right, and when I walked away, man, the Lord got a hold of me. He said, now, you you didn't see it, but that man's not going to invite him to do a meeting that they were going to do because you hesitated and implied something negative. I didn't realize my words were carrying that much weight. And, and on another occasion, uh, I said something kind of uh, you know didn't mean to say it, but it wasn't it didn't cast somebody in the best light about a situation. And I mean, I, before I got back to my little office where I was, boy, my heart was grieved. I mean, it took me the afternoon to get it straight because I I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And the Lord dealt with me. You you caused them to appear smaller in that person's eyes. Well. If I heard them with my words, that is violation of the New Testament commandment. And I have done them harm and not good. One of the things that uh, Hippocrates said concerning this oath that we mentioned and quoted part of it, uh, he said this, as to diseases, make a habit of two things, to help or at least to do no harm. Kind of sounds like what your mother told you. If you can't say anything good, <laughs> don't say anything at all. What does that mean? If you can't help, at the very least, don't hurt. Right? Said out loud do no harm, do no, harm. Do no, hurt. Do no hurt. Now, that's not just a good idea. How many understand we read Romans 10 that said, love does no ill, no harm, no hurt to its neighbor, so love is the fulfilling of all the law." How many understand in this new covenant, we got one commandment. So what about the Ten Commandments? If you keep the one, you will be keeping all the ten. If I love you, I'm not going to hurt you by lying to you. I'm not going to hurt you by committing murder against you. I'm not going to commit adultery with your, your spouse. I'm not going to steal from you. All the commandments that were given to curb sin are fulfilled in the one law. If I won't hurt you, then I'm not going to break any of those commandments. Can you see that? But friend, the enemy is very crafty. He's such a deceiver. And people right and left, I'm talking about Christians, I'm talking about tongue talkers, are hurting each other. And I mean hurting each other bad. And... One of the sad things about it is so many of them are justifying themselves in it. How many remember uh, Judas betrayed the Lord? Was he a traitor? Was he a betrayer? Was he unfaithful? Well, do you suppose, how did he do that though? How did he go sell the Lord out to his enemies? How did he set him up and bring the people that wanted to kill him right to him? And greet the Lord with a kiss. How did he do that? He had to justify himself some way in it, didn't he? I'm sure, you know, I've heard other people try to say, well, you know, he was trying to... Pushed the Lord to show his hand and to do this or that. Well, he might have even entertained some of these ideas that uh, he became disillusioned. Jesus is not going to stand up and do what he should do, so he's going to try to force him to do it or I don't know what he might have imagined, but the truth is he wanted the money and he was a traitor. That's the final bottom line. And so, so many times uh, people... Uh, they try to justify themselves. Well, I just couldn't take it any longer. Uh, I had to tell somebody. I just, you know, the truth needs to be told. People need to know. Well, if they do, does it have to come through you? <laughs> does, it have, does it have to be you that sticks the knife in the back of your own friend or family member? Now, you know what I'm talking about, the people that's the closest to you are the ones that can hurt you the most. The people you barely know, the people that you're hardly ever with, what can they do to you? They can say stuff and do stuff, but you never expected much out of them. But it's the people you let in close, right? It's the people you make yourself vulnerable to. It's the people you open up your life to and they, not on, they know not only your strong points but your weak points. These are the people that can hurt you the most. But how many know a faithful man won't abuse that privilege? Right. A faithful person that allows you in. I know as Phyllis and I were privileged to, to train and serve with the Hagens, Brother Kenneth Hagan and Miss Aretha who are both in heaven now. Uh the Lord told me going in, and I kept it uh, in in front of me, and it kept she and I both straight for year after year. He said, "I'm sending you to help. I'm sending you to learn. I am not sending you to judge." <laughs> Somebody say it out loud: to help, to, help. To, learn, to learn, not to judge. Not to judge. He said, "Dare my servants? I'll judge them." It doesn't pertain to you. I sent you to help. I sent you to learn, not to judge. And they are such wonderful people that year after year, we didn't have too many things come up. But if anything did, we just looked at each other and said, we're here to help. We're here to learn. We are not here to judge. And how I done that will keep you from entertaining stuff that would lead you down a path that would cause you to hurt them. Just just in the last year or two, I've seen some of the most awful things in ministries, other ministries I'm talking about. People that came up under individuals, that they loved them and taught them and trained them, gave them a place to develop, sometimes over a period of years, sometimes over a period of decades, and these same people turned on them and Went to their enemies and gave them all the ammunition they could against them. How many understand? There just, just no excuse for a thing like that. I mean, that's about as low as a man or a woman can go. Some say, "Well, they did wrong." Well, what if they did? Are you their judge? Well, you know, I just don't think that's right. And I think it ought to be told. And I think it ought to become know, uh, it ought to come out. Look at this passage here if you're holding it in 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel 24. David became connected with Saul. Do you remember that? And David only did good to Saul. God used David to win a great battle with Goliath and the whole uh, war was turned. And then David led Saul's troops to victory after victory after victory. You remember that? And then there were times when Saul was uh, tormented and David had come in and play with his harp and with the anointing God had put on him and soothe him and he'd get relief. In his personal life, in the nation, David did so many things to help him. And in return, out of uh, jealousy and envy and fear, Saul sought to kill him, meant to kill him, pursued him and chased him. There are people who will return to you evil for the good you did them. But does it justify you hurting them back? Is that the God way? Will it help you? No, it won't. That's the thing we need to learn. It won't help you. You take vengeance on them, you're not going to feel better. All oh, your flesh may think you do for a few minutes, but when you get quiet down in your spirit, you're going to regret it. You're going to know it wasn't right. You're going to know you failed your Lord. You're going to know you soiled your witness. Right? And even if some of those things have happened in the past, we can change. And it can be different now. You know the story as Saul chased him and sent soldiers after him and did his best to kill him on more than one occasion, the Lord gave Saul into David's hand. You know, Saul went into the cave one time and David and his men were right there. And he's unprotected. They could have killed him. In fact, uh, David's men urged him, kill him, kill him now. They're tired of running. They want to go home. On another occasion, uh, they were able to sneak down right by where he was sleeping and take some of his personal uh, effects and leave, and they could have killed him. One, one of his guys said, J- just, just step away, and I'll hit him one time. That's all it'll take. <laughs> just, just, just give me, just look the other way. David, I know you don't want to do it. I'll do it. He said, no, no, no. And look, listen to what he said. In 1 Samuel uh, 24... And 12. He said uh, after this one instance occurred where David didn't kill Saul, he's talking to Saul now afterwards. He said, the Lord judge between me and you and the Lord avenge me of you, but my hand shall not be on you. Somebody said that out loud. My My hand will not be on you. As says the proverb of the ancients, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be upon you. Now, this is an important thing to note. Wickedness comes from the wicked. Good people don't hurt people, right? People will try to tell you otherwise. Well, the Lord told me to do it. The Lord told me to expose them. The Lord told me to go against them. No, I don't believe it. Wickedness comes from the wicked. Evil comes from evil. Bad things come from bad people. How many know This is not just Old Testament. Jesus said it. Good trees produce good fruit. Bad fruit comes from bad trees. Right. And see, David's not saying what Saul is doing is right. It's not. It's grieving him. It's messing with his life. But he said, God will deal with it, but my hand won't touch you. Somebody say, my hand won't touch you. In the uh, 26th chapter, you don't have to turn there, but I guess it's real close by for you. The 26th chapter, this is when uh, Abishai was wanting to kill him and told David, "Just, just look away for a minute. I'll take care of it. 1 Samuel 26, 9, David said, this is 1 Samuel 26, 9, David said to uh, Abishai, he said, destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Now I want you to stop just a moment. Who is he calling the Lord's anointed? A demon-possessed man, right? (laughs) Right? The scripture says... I mean, uh, he, he, he's, he's a demon-obsessed, possessed man. He's trying to kill people. In the middle of a concert, he throws his spear at David, tries to pin him against the wall. And yet, what does uh, David call him? Oh, friend, we need a revelation on this now. Is he referring to everything that Saul is doing? No, he's referring to the fact that God chose the man and God put his anointing on the man and David's going to respect that no matter what the man ever does. Amen. And if the man needs to be dealt with because of his sins, well, God will deal with it, but he's not. Right. He's not his judge. His hand is not going to touch him. Oh, friend, we need to get this in our spirit, don't we? Keep reading. David verse 10, David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord will smite him or his day will come to die or he'll descend in battle and perish. He said, you know, he'll be taken care of, but the Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. He said, evil may come to him, but it won't be by me. You know, Jesus talked about that and he said, it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to him by whom they come. See, people like to imagine, well, the Lord sent me to expose this thing. The Lord sent me to blow this thing open. And we've got people that think they are Holy Go- God's Holy Ghost police. And some, some way or another gives them the right to judge everybody and to hurt people in the name of keeping the kingdom and the church clear and clean and, and the thing is, dear me, most of these folk, their own life is just full of rottenness. Add to that, you know, their their idea of their superiority over everybody else that gives them the right. No, friend, if people are wrong, it's going to come out either now or either later, and if people don't repent, they'll be judged. Things will be dealt with. But how many remember what David said? It won't be by my hand. Why? Because evil comes from evil. Bad things come from bad people. Good people don't hurt folks. And if we can't help them, the very least we're going to do is not hurt them. (laughs) Oh, can you see it, friends? Friends. Do you know what I'm talking about? About the hypocrisy that's throughout the world in the body of people judging each other and people exposing each other and hurting each other and coming against each other. No. Say, not me. me. By the grace of God. Not me. me. Uh, In uh, Hebrews 10, you don't have to turn there, but let me just read it to you. Hebrews 10 Verse 30, this is the Jewish Bible. It says, the one we know is the one who said, vengeance is my responsibility. I will repay. Romans twelve nineteen, uh, in the NIV, it says, do not take revenge, my friends. Leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, do what? Feed him. Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. If he's behind on his car payments, <laughs> uh, if he's about to get kicked out of his apartment, if he's sick and ain't got money to go to the doctor, boy, I lost somebody then. Keep reading. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, people quote stuff like it's the Bible. Well, you gotta fight fire with fire. (laughs) They hit you, you gotta hit them. They hit you where it hurts, you hit them where it really hurts. I ain't no doormat. I don't let people run over me. I ain't going to take it. Well, then you're going to violate the New Testament command. You're going to take vengeance into your own hands. You're going to pay them back. You're going to get in God's way. You're going to ruin your witness. Can ruin your life. I mean, there are Christians, uh, thoroughly born again, tongue-talking folks that are serving life sentences. Because of a hot head and taking things in their own hands. Ruined their life, messed up their life. Now, how many understand it's ignorant to do such a thing? When we're told very plainly in the scripture what to do. Do you fight fire with fire? You fight fire with water? (laughs) With fire extinguishers? (laughs) Right? What do you do? You overcome evil with what? You don't pay back evil with evil. Evil comes from the evil. You don't want to be evil? Good people, what comes from good people? Good things come from good people. They hurt you, you do them good. They curse you, you bless them. They persecute you, you pray for them. They try to hurt you, you try to help them. And if you can't help them, at the very least, <laughs> I think you all are getting this, <laughs> you don't hurt them, right? This is the God way. Truly, really saved people live like this, right? And it's the higher life. Anybody can get mad. People go, oh, you, and I'm saved, but i tell you what, you do that again. And I'll beat you down and ask God to forgive me later. (laughs) It ain't funny. Because people do this kind of stuff. It ain't funny. If you do, it just costs you something deeply. You're acting like an unsaved, unbeliever. You ruin your witness. How many understand you can, you know, bounce around and quote scriptures for three months at the office? And somebody do something wrong. Cost you a bonus. And you pitch a fit. And act like a heathen. And go around behind their back. And try to get them in trouble with the boss. And every other thing. You have ruined your witness. I don't care how many scriptures you quote. You have ruined your witness. They see no difference in you. Than somebody that don't even believe in the Lord. How will all men know. That we are his disciples. What did Jesus say? By us loving each other the way He has loved us. And how many understand, we've already read it, Romans 10, other places, but this kind of love will do, only do you good and do you no harm all the days of its life. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, Father, we bless you. We praise you. You're such a good God. You're such a faithful God. So wonderful, so glorious. Paul said this, I think it's a wonderful statement. It it, it reveals what a man of God he was, how God helped him. On one occasion, and some people were fighting against him and hurting him, he said in 2 Corinthians 7 2, He said, Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. How many believe it was true that he never came to hurt anybody or rip anybody off or take away anything from anybody? A real man of God, a real woman of God will only help you. In fact, he said this. He said, I'm willing uh, to spend and be spent for you. Though the more I love you, the less I be loved. Is that the love of God? Then the love of God, you know, give himself and die for us while we were His enemies, before we ever knew Him. And He ever lives to make intercession for us. How many are glad, no matter how dumb and goofed up you get, He's still there. He'll take you back every time. And everything He does for you, even in His correction, even in His rebuke, it's all for your good. Isn't it? It's all for your good. He's just trying to get you in a better place. Close your eyes. Father we thank you so much for your wonderful love that is shed abroad in our hearts and we purpose from this day forward to walk in an even greater degree everybody pray it out loud say Father in any time and way I have spoken words or done things that have hurt others I repent if I haven't seen and known it Reveal it to me. Help me to see it. I acknowledge that real love does no harm to anyone. And I repent for such harm. And I ask you, set a watch at the door of my lips, at my mind, at my hands, lest I do something in the future. That would hurt somebody Alert me to it Help me to see it And I'll control myself I'll check myself And not say it Not do it My will is To do only good And no hurt No harm If they need to be judged If they need to be dealt with If they need to be paid back That's your business. You're the judge. You will repay. It's not for me. It's not to me. And by your grace, I'll not touch them with my hand. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's sing Faithful.